Welcome, everybody, to another edition here of Let's Go Racing with David Starr, presented by Whataburger, episode 40. Dominic Aragon here filling in for Tyler Jones. So glad to have you all with us. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by NASCAR Communications, Matt Humphrey, as he stops in today, and we're going to get to learn his story and his cool backstory that he has being a part of the sport over the last 20 years. We also have John Haverlin of ESPN Radio Albuquerque and the CircuitJournal.com stopping in as well on the panel. But before we get to everything today, we're proud to tell you about the folks at Whataburger and how not to forget that every Whataburger is made fresh and served hot and prepared just the way you like it. You want jalapenos and cheese on that? No problem. They've got you covered. Whataburger, proud to serve it hot and fresh, 24 hours a day. David Starr is always here on Let's Go Racing with David Starr, the star of the show. How's it going, Dave? Man, I'm doing great, man. I'm excited to have uh, have John join us and uh, hear Matt's story. I'm, he's, he's been involved in NASCAR for over a decade, and uh, it's going to be cool to learn a lot about Matt and, and uh, how he got to NASCAR. And uh, so it's pretty cool. But man, just uh, man, what exciting weekend we had in our industry, man. Uh, the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, the Xfinity Series, and the Cup Race. Just man, what a great weekend of great racing there at Talladega with with uh, three first-time winners, man, that's that's what I love about Daytona and Talladega, you know, and uh, that's why it was so disappointing for me when I fell out of the race because, you know, we all know there's, there's you know, there's half the field that are powerhouse teams that have opportunity to win races week in and week out, and then there's the other half of the field that their funding is not, you know, you don't have the funding it takes to have a winning team. But when you go to Daytona or you go to Talladega, those super speedways, it gives everybody an opportunity. It kind of it's kind of the great equalizer. And man, we saw some extremely exciting and awesome racing this week at Talladega, man, with three first time winners. So, man, what an exciting weekend it was. Absolutely. Dave, did you get to stay and watch the other two races, the trucks and the cup race? Man, it, we, you know, the truck race was uh, right before our Xfinity race started. And, oh, my God, what a – that truck race, God, it was amazing, you know. And the finish, uh, just the whole race with all the action. And, man, those trucks put on a heck of a show. And there was just so much action going on. And, you know, a lot of times they're bump drafting. And sometimes when you bump draft like those trucks do, and, uh, man, it just doesn't take – it doesn't take a, a bump or two. Next thing you know, somebody's sliding sideways. And it was just it was just filled with a lot of uh, sparks and wrecks and craziness, you know, especially the ending. I mean, I don't think that, you know, I don't think the ending could have played out any better the way it all just how it all worked out. But it was just, man, it, I, I couldn't I couldn't even think about our race because that race. I was just like, wow, man, what a what an awesome finish, you know, and uh you know, unfortunately, uh, Xfinity race for my car when we when uh, they dropped the green flag to start our race, uh, man, I was excited because again, you know, you always have an opportunity at Daytona and Talladega. And uh, when when I came off turn two for the first time, going down the back straightaway, I knew I I knew we were in trouble because my engine wasn't running right. And uh, man, it didn't last but eight or nine laps. And then we, we were the first ones out with the engine problem. But if you do this long enough, eventually you'll have that. That's just part of how the sport works sometimes, you know. But man, that Xfinity race, it didn't disappoint it either. And uh, it was exciting. And uh, man, we had a, another first time winner, uh, which was exciting. And then you back that up with uh, the historical 
win by Bubba Wallace on uh, Monday. Man, what a, what a great – I mean, I love those Cinderella stories. And uh, you look at Denny Hamlin and, and uh, Michael Jordan and see what they've done in their short period of time. And, you know, have somebody like Bubba Wallace win his first race, man. It's just a lot of cool stories in our sport right now. So many cool storylines. We're going to certainly cover that on today's show. And we bring in John Haverlin on the panel this week. John is a correspondent for the New Mexico Motorsports Report, ESPN Radio Albuquerque, as well as the owner of the CircuitJournal.com. John, you've been a fan of the show since day one, and it's awesome to have you on the panel with us this week. Yeah, thank you for that nice introduction, Dom. I feel like I'm kind of playing the role of you this weekend while you play the role of Tyler Jones, who is busy doing something else tonight. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to be on and uh, look forward to talking about Talladega and everything that's happening in the NASCAR world right now. Oh, absolutely. And I always joke with Tyler when he's out on business during the week. Man, dude, it's like you're trusting me with the keys to the Cadillac, right? Just don't crash. <laughs> <laughs> hey, John, I don't know what Tyler is doing tonight, but somebody said something about last night. He was at a game, some uh, NFL football game somewhere. So, uh, I, uh, yes, I, I, I will uh, vouch for that because I saw a Facebook photo of him out in Los Angeles. I guess he was at uh, Monday Night Football, so uh, he was yeah. having a good time. But anyway, Dominic's voice, it's not Tyler's voice, but he's oh. doing a good job already. But anyway, that's awesome. Well, y'all are too kind. Those are some big shoes to fill with Tyler Jones absent, but hey, we're, we'll make it work, right? And our guest tonight, he is somebody who has been a part of the sport for over 20 years and who has worked for, like you said, David, for NASCAR for over a decade. He is the track communications for NASCAR on the West Coast. Matt Humphrey joins the show tonight. Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to join us tonight on Let's Go Racing. Dominic, and I, I must echo the sentiments of our panelists that you, you are filling the shoes of Tyler just fine. Although I tell you what, I have voice envy when I hear that man speak. I mean, if you want somebody to narrate your life, you're going to want the, 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 the golden tones of Tyler Jones just booming through the speaker. And, and describing play by play every major event in your life. And so one of these days, he's going to narrate my life story and, uh, and he'll be able to share it with you. And it would actually probably be more interesting what I'm going to tell you on this podcast. But that being said, we're going to have a great conversation tonight. Oh, absolutely, man. Every time I hear Tyler's voice, like even trying to emulate it, it's just so hard because it's such an iconic voice. You can. It's gifted. Very gifted. <laughs> Indeed. He's very gifted. Absolutely. Well, and so are you, Matt. You, you have such a cool backstory on how you got involved or how you got rather involved with the sport of NASCAR. Take us back to the beginning. Take us back to where it all started for you and how you were able to to piece the career you have in this crazy sport we have so much passion for. OK, so, well, it actually goes back to when I uh, when I was a young man at, at the age of 19. I was I was I was a husband and father at the age of 19. And I ended up having uh, my, my wife at the time had two kids within 13 months. And so by the time I was 20, I was a father of two. I was working at a sewage plant. I had to drop out of school <laughs> and to put to put food on the table. I went to work for the for the municipal sewage department. And and after a few years, my kids, as they were growing up, both of them you know, had some medical challenges, uh, let's just say, and through those medical challenges came bills. And so I needed to get a second job. And lo and behold, back in those days, when you wanted a job, you looked at what they called a newspaper, which, you know, that, <laughs> I don't know if you know what a newspaper is, but they, what had, is that, Matt? <laughs> yeah, they had a newspaper. So I looked at the newspaper and the one ads 
And and in the one ads, they were uh, advertising for somebody at the Mount Vernon News in Mount Vernon, Ohio, to come in and answer the phones in the sports department. And just a light bulb went off. It's like, you know what, if I'm going to take a second job to help put food on the table, that sounds like a pretty easy second job to me. I love sports. I can talk on the phone. Boom. Win-win. So I, I, I took that job. And within a week, uh, the, the sports editor came up to me and goes, uh, you know, Matt, can you, can you write a story? And I was like, I can start my sentences with a capital and end with a period. Uh, but uh, he goes, well, I've, I've got a football game I want you to cover on Friday night. And so he sent me out to cover a high school football game between the, the Clear Fork Colts and the Lexington Minutemen in Belleville, Ohio. And I remember coming back to the, coming back to the newspaper after covering that game, writing my story on deadline, filing it and putting the paper to bed and thinking, wow, that is so cool. I mean, I, I, I don't have that story saved, but if, if I did, I would probably just, you know, turn pale with how bad it was. But in any case, I was hooked as a sports writer. It's like that adrenaline rush. I knew this is something that I wanted to do with the rest of my life. But in the, at the same time, I also had an interest in motorsports. And so Right down the road was Mid Ohio Sports Car Course. We had a in Mount Vernon, Ohio. We had a we had a drag strip, Pacemakers Raceway Park, which I would go and I volunteer to go cover races there uh, every week, just so I could get experience covering racing, and I, I loved racing. And that led to you know my my first full time job in, in newspapers is was at the St. Joseph News Press in St. Joseph, Missouri. Came to a point I couldn't work at the sewage plant and work at the newspaper and put in all those hours at the same time. I had to choose one or the other. I chose, I chose journalism. And so I, I, I was hired on at the St. Joseph news press in St. Joseph, Missouri. And the publisher of that newspaper, David Bradley was good friends with a, with a, a pair of gentlemen who owned a NASCAR Xfinity series team. It was the Bush series back then, but they, they owned a race team in St. Joseph, Missouri. And they had this guy driving for them that nobody knew about it time and so as a as a favor uh as a favor to his friends my publisher came up to me and says matt would you mind writing stories about this guy uh before and after all of his bush series races so uh, just so they can get some added publicity and i said sure i said, i love racing i love nascar gave me the phone number i called the guy it was none other than seven time NASCAR Cup Series champion, Jimmy Johnson. He was driving for Herzog Motorsports for 92 Altel Chevrolet. Wow. He was just fresh out of ASA. Him and, him and Adam Petty had some great battles in ASA back in the day. And then he was, he was getting started in the Bush Series. And I remember the first time I talked to Jimmy was after he failed to make the show at Daytona in 2000. And so in any case, uh, that really launched my, my life in NASCAR. And through that relationship, and so I covered I covered Jimmy's career week in and week out throughout the his his first couple of years in the Bush Series, all the while uh, starting a motorsports page at that at that newspaper and learning new skills, learning how to edit, learning how to design, learning how to write, uh, and all all the while taking those skills and just developing a passion for covering motorsports. And that led to my next job in Lincoln, in Lincoln, Nebraska, where I was a, an assistant sports editor for design at the Lincoln Journal Star. And I took that job with one caveat that I would still be able to come to Kansas Speedway to cover the races uh, when, when, when NASCAR came to town. And they said, sure, you can do that. So 
I was only there for a short amount of time before I was hired on at the Orlando Sentinel. And I knew Orlando that was in the backyard of Daytona International Speedway. So I, I, I jumped at that opportunity to, to, to take that job. And, you know, one of those full circle moments then occurred in 2011. I'm at the roar before the 24, the test session before the Rolex 24. And Jimmy Johnson was testing a sports car that day. And he held a press conference inside the media center. And I had a, I had a laptop and I had a, and a webcam on that laptop and I turned it around and I live streamed it on OrlandoSentinel.com, live streamed that press conference. And then somebody came over to me and said, Matt, you know, we, we have this website called NASCARmedia.com. And we see they're pretty savvy with, with the internet. Would you, would you mind applying for this job? And it's like, raise my hand without a doubt. So, uh, uh, you know, but a month later, Trevor Bain wins the Daytona 500. I interview for a position at NASCAR. I join in, uh, in May of, uh, of 2011. In fact, my first day in the office was the day after Osama bin Laden was shot. So I, I still have that. I still have a copy of the newspaper from that day on my desk as a reminder of my first day at NASCAR. And uh, it's been what an incredible journey uh, and a blessing to be able to work and, and be involved in this sport and to get to know all the people and, and, and tell the stories of the drivers uh, that you see day in and day out. And some of the stories you don't see is telling the stories behind the scenes that, you know, and that's the beautiful thing about our sport. When you have, you know, you have 40 cars in the field, there's, you know, not only do you have the drivers, you can tell those stories about, but you have the crew members, the, you know, the, the, the hauler drivers, the mechanics, the crew chiefs, the sponsors, there's so many different people involved in their sport and so many different stories that it just, there's no shortage of things that you can take to, to market when you're talking to media members. And so that's, uh, that's, that's a very rewarding aspect. Amazing. Amazing, man. I, man, just, man, I just love hearing you, man. I love hearing your story and man, I'm just sitting here memorized just by hearing all this. And uh, one thing that pops in my head, just, just listening to you talk married at 19 a father of two and uh, those bills coming in because you have some medical bills and uh, man, I, uh, so before, uh, before you were married and before being a father at such a young age was journalism working in NASCAR. I mean, so it just all happened so quick. Is that correct? It, it really did. You know, so, I mean, literally I was, uh, I mean, I was, you know, six months, six months into college at that point in time. And at that point in time, it was, you know, journalism, journalism and, and working in, in motorsports and working in NASCAR was, was the furthest thing from my mind. At that point in time, my focus was, was being a music major. I was a music major. I actually played the tuba coming out of high school. I had a scholarship. Uh, I had a scholarship <laughs> tuba of all things. And, and so I, I was, I, I went to school on a music scholarship and I was studying music at the time, but yeah, it, it was, it was kind of like a, a lot of circumstances came together and created a perfect storm uh, on a negative side, but then really finding a way to make the most of a bad situation. And, 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 you know, Hey, I look at it. I have two great kids now uh, who are, who are grown and they're healthy and they're, and they're, and they're living their lives 
And, and so that wasn't a negative, but I mean, they, I certainly, I certainly did not put myself in a great position to thrive at an early age. So, so I had to do a lot of work. I had to literally roll up the sleeves and roll up the pant legs to get and do some hard yards, uh, do some really hard yards uh, to get where I'm at today. And it's made me appreciate the journey. And it's also given me empathy for others who are, who are also, uh, you know, struggling with circumstances that maybe beyond their control or maybe circumstances they put themselves in. But yet, then again, you know, everybody needs a second chance to kind of work their way up and, and make mistakes and, and learn from them. And so it's, that's, that's life. It's life. And it's, and so, you know, it's, I, I just know that, you know, everybody has their own unique story and they're, they're blessed in their own unique ways. And it's, you know, it's, 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 it's fun to follow those journeys. Well, man, I can't wait to, I can't wait to buy that book. Cause man, that's a, I know that was only chapter one or two or three, but man, that's uh, unbelievable, you know, and just, just listening to you talk, it's amazing to be a dad and a father at such a young age. I mean, I still think your teens, you know, uh, you know, uh, it's just so young, but you know, your kids, uh, you have two sons, their daughter, or what, what, what are your kids? Uh, are they two boys, girls? I've got, I've got, I've got a daughter who's uh, almost 28 here. Will be 28 actually here in 12 days. Uh, lives in Rochester, New York, and then I have a son who lives in Lakeland, Florida. He's married him and his wife, and they they live in Lakeland, and they are uh, they're they're uh, enjoying enjoying their lives there. And so it's uh, yeah, it's 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 fun it's fun to follow their, their lives. You know, it's really cool too when you have kids and they grow older. You, your relationship with them changes and, and, you know, when they're little, you know, you're, you're their buddy, you know, they're, you're playing, you're out there, so you're teaching them how to play ball and, and you're, you're, you're doing all the fun stuff that a dad does with your kids. But then, they, then you go through the teenage years, which, you know, a lot of parents call the war years <laughs> as you're, as you're uh, working through the struggles of, of just raising teenagers and, yeah. and just the natural tension that comes from that. But when they grow older and they, they go through school and then they, they mature and they become adults themselves, it's, it's, it's really cool to see how that relationship evolves. And, 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 and I know I, 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 I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed particular parts of each part of the journey, but now even more so now more than ever getting to know them as adults and as, as, as human beings that are fully grown and, and, and making their own decisions and living their lives. The cool thing you said just struck me is like, you know, they, uh, man, it's what a blessing to hear that, you know, they're, they're just, everybody's healthy and everybody's happy and married and all that. But you had said something early on, you said that they, uh, they had some medical issues and there was bills coming in and you needed more money to, because man, when you're a dad and when you're a father, uh, there's a lot of responsibilities that come with that. And, and I guess when you say I do and you're having kids, um, you know, there's there's a lot of responsibility. And to hear you step up and say, hey, I'm going to have to I'm going to need another job. And you created you found, like you said, you, you, you went into the newspapers, which, you know, what is that? Mm-hmm. And uh, you found another job. And man, the, it's interesting to hear all that because. To see, to hear about that time and 
to see where you're at today, man, you, I don't know if your kids, your wife or your fan, every man or yourself, you got to be proud of what you accomplished. And I love hearing your story because man, you created opportunities for yourself. And once you figured out where your passion was and what you want to do, man, nothing was good to get in your way. So it's just, man, what a beautiful story. It's almost like a American, uh, you know, prosperity, have a dream, have a goal, work hard and you make it. You know what I mean? It's man, what a great story. Amazing. Yeah, thank you. And I will, I will say, you know, it is, it, it's amazing looking back and, it, it gives you a, it gives you a sense of perspective, right? So, like when you're going through hard times, and everybody goes through hard times. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you. It doesn't matter if you're a multimillionaire or if you're somebody that doesn't have two pennies to rub together. Everybody goes through hard times, but when you put the when you when you're able to put hard times in perspective, it it, it makes you appreciate it, it makes you appreciate the other side. So, like in, in my instance, when I was going through that stuff at that point in time and, and, and just ha- feeling the weight of the world on my shoulders at, at, at that point in time with, 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 with two youngins coming up. And it, I, I didn't, I mean, it was, it was really hard to see. It was really hard to see tomorrow. It was really hard to see what, you know, you know, how am I going to get through the next day? But after you, after you put some effort, after you put some effort to get through that and you get to the other side and you see you see that light at the end of the tunnel and that light starts getting larger and larger and larger, the next time you face that dark spot, you can realize that that time that you're going through at that point in time, that, that, that tough moment is just a moment. It's just a dot, a period in a, in, in a book that contains millions of words. And, and if you can find, if you can find a way to to compartmentalize, to just, to, to realize that that tough moment is just that a moment and that it's not always going to be that bad, then you're, you're, you're going to find a way to get through. But again, it's so difficult to see when you're, when you're living it. Right. So I hope that my story can inspire others to, to make it through, to inspire them to get through another day and to, and, and, and to keep digging and, and to keep going and, and knowing that, you know, it may not happen. It may not happen tomorrow. It may not happen next week. It may not happen next year. It may not happen five years from now, but if I keep going forward, there's, there's, there's the potential of a better tomorrow. And there's a lot of inspiration in that, man. It's an, and man, and, I don't know. That's just life, man. And just hearing you talk, it's just real. I mean, I don't care who you are and what your financial situation is. It doesn't matter. But man, hearing your story and, and it's, it's so raw and so real. Uh, it's, it's, it's good to, to hear that and hear somebody that's worked through it. And man, that's, that's just, that's just the coolest. That's amazing really. And, uh, and when you get to the other side, doesn't mean, you know, for me, you know, still there's, you know, I think just life in general is just peaks and valleys. And, and um, you know, I think when we're in our valleys, that's when we really learn. And, and uh, but man, your parents, uh, whoever raised you or how you were raised, somebody gave you some good work ethics. And uh, man, when you just, you know, when you put your head down and just get after it, man, anything's possible and set your mind to it. You know, it's, uh, it's very inspiring. I mean, from a guy that was going to be in the music industry to, having the cool job with NASCAR that you've had forever, dude, that's, uh, that's pretty awesome, man. You just never know 
what curveball is going to be thrown at you and where you're going to end up, what you're going to end up, what you're going to end up doing, you know what I mean? And, and uh, it's pretty cool to, to follow your passion, and be able to make a living at something you're very passionate about. So it's pretty neat, man. I was, I was very fortunate to be raised by some blue collar parents who instilled uh, a strong work ethic and not just my, not just by my parents, but my grandparents. I mean, both of my, both of my grandfathers retired from from the Temkin Company, uh, and which was a, a major steel and roller bearing manufacturer in Canton, Ohio. And and you know it was like you took your lunch pail to work every day. You did your job. You know you did you did what you had to do to, to get it done. I mean I think of my I think of my 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 grandfather on my mother's side, and you know he fought in World War II. The adversity that that man faced uh, in 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 Europe during World War II is nowhere near the adversity I've had to face in my life. And and you just you think back that you know the sacrifices that they made and that just that ex- the examples of sacrifice that they made throughout their lives to to make my life better. It's it's inspired me to then make other sacrifices to uh, to really dig in and, and do my best. Yeah, and you know, I've known you for. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I just want to say, Matt. I've known you for probably about four or five years now, and usually we're talking about racing or whatever happened last week at the track. But this whole story that you've said is just—I wasn't expecting it, and it was really quite the story. I think if you hadn't made it as a person in the motorsports industry, you would have been a pretty good motivational speaker as well, because <laughs> um, that was that was quite the story and just quite the lessons you take away from it. Yeah. I think, uh, man, all three of you guys, man, I think um, I think our sport's better because of journalism and people that are passionate about, you know, you, you really, you know, uh, y'all all do it, you know, uh, without the media and somebody telling the stories and um, getting the right people to the media. I mean, you don't, it's hard to have a sport, you know what I mean? And I just think, you know what all you guys do and you're very passionate for it. And I think our industry as a whole, our sport, NASCAR, however you want to call it, is very, y'all been an asset to this industry and make it what it is. So it's pretty cool. It's just cool to, to, to know all y'all stories and John, yourself and Matt and hear you and Dominic. I know just, I know you guys are passionate about it and, uh, I think the fans, the racers, the crew chiefs, everybody involved, it's uh, it's such a big part of what we do and how we do. And uh, without the media and, 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 you know, the racing talk shows and just, you know, getting those cool, feel good, real stories out there, you, do, you really wouldn't have a sport. So I love what you guys do, you know, so absolutely. Hey, you want to tell you want to hear a feel good story. So I'm here in Kansas right now. Mm hmm. This year is the 20th anniversary of the first NASCAR Cup Series race at Kansas Speedway. Wow. And, and in fact, the 20th anniversary of that race was last Thursday on, on, on September 30th. It was won by Jeff Gordon. And if you remember back on that day, that, uh, that was just, uh, that was all, that was our second race back after September 11th. And that day at Kansas Speedway, uh, Jeff Gordon had as a guest, uh, a young man, I believe he was 15 years old at the time. His name was Matt Dahl. And Matt's father was one of the pilots on United Flight 93 that, uh, that crashed uh, in, in, in Shanksville. 
Pennsylvania. But, uh, you know, Jeff wins the race. And in his Victory Lane interview, he dedicates his race win to Matt. Matt couldn't be there for the Victory Lane celebration because he had to leave early. And so I, you know, I, I, I had completely forgotten about this story until I went back and watched the highlights last week as I was getting ready to talk to media here in Kansas City. And so I watched that Victory Lane interview of Jeff's and said, and I, I, and I something clicked in my head. I said, I got to find out what happened to this kid. And so I found out that this man has since become an astrophysicist. He's now 35 years old, an astrophysicist, astrophysicist living in Seattle. He owns his own photo optics company, and he takes the most beautiful pictures of the universe uh, with his equipment. And just and so I, I reached out to him and I invited him to Kansas Speedway this year so he can enjoy Victory Lane. Unfortunately, he cannot make it this year, but we're hoping to get him out here to Kansas Speedway again uh, so he can watch the entire race and enjoy, join us in Victory Lane and perhaps hand out the trophy uh, to the race winner. But in any case, it's those type of stories that I love to tell. And, and, and it, just, it just rekindled back, you know, watching those highlights back from that first historic race here at Kansas, it just brought back a lot of, lot, a lot of good memories. And, and, and those are the type of stories that you see all throughout our garage you know, that, that people do that don't really get noticed, um, you know, that, that our drivers do week in and week out. Absolutely. So many good stories to tell in the sport. I, I think I speak on behalf of you, Matt and John. We say as journalists, we do enjoy telling people stories, especially when people give us that opportunity and they trust us to be able to tell that story. You're listening to episode 40 here of Let's Go Racing with David Starr presented by Whataburger. Matt Humphrey is our guest. He is the director of track communications for NASCAR. And Matt, let's fast forward 10 years, right? You've been with NASCAR now a little more than a decade. We love giving our fans on this show a really good behind the scenes, all access of, of what makes this industry turn. So tell us, what does the day-to-day, -day, the week-to-week, -week, what does that look like for you and your role with NASCAR? So right now I manage the communications for all of our West Coast tracks. So that includes Kansas Speedway, uh, Phoenix Raceway, Auto Club Speedway, and now the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. <laughs> the Coliseum will be decided on February 6th, 2022. But uh, so I, I, I manage the communications for those facilities. I work with the track presidents at those facilities to help tell the stories in those markets and, uh, and I serve as a liaison between the track and the media. Uh, and I, I work with our media to get them to, to tell the stories of the racetrack and to cover our races when we're in, uh, when, when NASCAR is in town. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, essentially kind of like a quick day to day of, of what I do. And then also I help out our racing communications team uh, on other weekends when we're racing out West. So like at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, I help out. Uh, I help out in the media center, or uh, help with uh, our communications process and race control. Uh, and so you'll you'll see me at other facilities as well, uh, particularly west of the Mississippi, and of course at the World Center of Racing, Daytona International Speedway as well. That's awesome, man! How many race weekends would you say in a typical year you're at? Uh, usually, it's between. 20 and 25, depending on the year. This year, it's it hasn't been as many since COVID. Uh, but you know, uh, but I think at my peak, I would say like two years ago before COVID, I was I was at, at least 25 race weekends. And then I'd also occasionally help out 
our friends at IMSA uh, with the with the Rolex 24, uh, with the with the 12 hours of Sebring and other events as needed uh, along those lines as well. So basically, anything. Hey, if 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 if, if we're putting it on and it has wheels and a motor, I'm there. <laughs> you you know, Matt, just hearing you talk and talking about the racetracks that uh, that you kind of oversee, uh, and I would have never thought. I don't know, two months ago or even a month ago that you would have ever said, you know, we talk about the LA Coliseum. Oh my goodness. The Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum is a, it's an iconic yeah. venue. It's an iconic venue. And, you know, it is one of those places that's, it's held two Olympic games. And it's going to host a third Olympic game. So it, it hosted in 1932. It hosted in 1984. And it's going to host in 2028. And NASCAR is going to race there inside that stadium. They've held two Super Bowls inside that stadium. They've held countless number of meaningful college football games. Uh, John F. Kennedy gave his, uh, gave his acceptance speech for the Democratic nomination there in 1960. There's so many historic events that's happened there. And guess what? NASCAR is going to now be part of that rich history. And it'll actually be the first race as part of their centennial celebration. They broke ground on that facility. I believe it was in uh, 1922. So it will be, it'll be part of their, their, their centennial celebration. It'll actually be the first big event of their centennial celebration will be the NASCAR clash at the Coliseum. And you know what? We're going to pave it. We're going to pave over that football field, put a racetrack in there and, we're going we're gonna to light it up. It's going to be a lot of fun. Man, that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. That is unbelievable, man. I know, I know just, I, I mean, there's a lot of race fans uh, uh, that I've talked to. And since y'all have announced that, some of my neighbors that don't even follow racing, but they're curious to watch that race, you know what I mean? Just because of the venue you're speaking about. And, uh, but man, just so much history. And the week before the, Super Bowl and just man, it's gonna be cool to have. I, I feel like that you know having a, uh, uh, the timing of it. It's you know our sport is already world worldwide. You know we're world known or however you want to say that. But I just feel like that's really good at the timing of it, it's really gonna put our sport and our superstars of our uh, superstars of our sport in the spotlight, you know what I mean? Just because of the timing and and the location, you know, and uh and then you throw in the new gen gen two or the the new car for 2022. Uh yeah, there's a lot of exciting stuff, a lot of big stories and man I I believe you're going to have your hand full, <laughs> Matt, with the media. I think you're going to have more than you can handle, and, uh, and that's a great problem to have. <laughs> I'll take I'll take that problem any day of the week. I know this. I was out there a couple of weeks ago when we announced it, and I was talking to the media before we made the announcement and then after, uh, and the excitement level from the just the media uh, right now in Los Angeles is off the charts. I mean, literally when I, I, I call up a media member and tell them, Hey, look, I just want to let you know, we are announced. We're getting ready to announce here in moments that NASCAR is going to kick off its 2022 season inside the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. And almost to a person, they said, what? <laughs> and it was not, not like a bad one. It was a good one. There was like, I can't, 
what, what's it going to look like? I can't, I don't know. And I said, well, that's why you need to tune in and find out. And, 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 you know, so there's, there's, there's just genuine excitement, but Los Angeles is a great market for us. I mean, it's the number one market in the country for, for, for NASCAR fans, 18 to 34. So that, that younger, that, that young demographic that we really need to draw in to, to get interested in our sport that they're in Los Angeles. It's, it's, it is a great, it's a great market overall for viewership. And, and you know, it's also a great market where we can attract new fans. So, I mean, ticket sales are going great so far. And of the tickets that are being sold so far, uh, we're seeing a majority of those coming from first time NASCAR ticket buyers. That's awesome. Cool. And, and one of the things I really like about the upcoming weeks, months, years for NASCAR is uh, it seems the industry is moving more uh, towards the west side of the country, west of the Mississippi. We're seeing some uh, new tracks, obviously, with the uh, football stadium in Los Angeles. Obviously, Portland's going to have that Xfinity race next year. Um, I think it's good to see NASCAR kind of spreading away from the southeast and going beyond uh, different venues. Um, I'm excited for that because, obviously, Matt, we're both living in the Phoenix area. Yeah. Um, congratulations, by the way, to Phoenix Race. We just announced the uh, sellout for the finale. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to go covering more races next year on the West Coast. I hope to get to the whole West Coast swing as well as the Clash. There's such a great energy right now surrounding our sport. And I think a big part of it is, uh, you know, the work that Ben Kennedy is doing right now with the schedule, you know, shaking things up, you know, keep, keeping it fresh and, re and really, you know, visiting new venues and, and, and or, or revisiting old venues that we haven't been to in a while. And then just really, really reinvigorating, reinvigorating, you know, and taking a fresh approach to what we're doing with our schedule. But, you know, at the end of the day, NASCAR racing is as, as competitive and compelling as ever. And that is so helping to draw the needle and making us relevant. I mean, you're looking at the action that's happening right now and the NASCAR playoffs in all three series right now. I mean, the intensity right now is off the charts and, and it's going to be, I mean, the pressure that is going to be applied to these drivers this weekend at the Roval, forget it. I, I would not want to be one of those drivers that, that has to really be up on the wheel, perform well in order to advance into the next round. It's that, that, that right there, you want to talk about pressure, that's pressure. And then, you know, that's coming off of a Talladega race. We don't know what's going to happen. And then you're going to go into you're going to go into the round of eight where, you know, you've got, you know, uh, a traditional a traditional mile and a half of, of, of Texas. And then you look at and you look at Kansas Speedway, Kansas Speedway. It's a mile and a half track. But that is a track that can bite you in a heartbeat. David, you can tell me you, you, you can attest to how how that track in, in Kansas City can can really bite you in a heartbeat. And then <laughs> and then it's on the Martinsville where you're a short track where <laughs> scores are often settled and, Oh wait, you need to win to get into the championship yeah. for good luck with that. Yeah. Uh, and then we're in Phoenix raceway where yes, we have sold it out for the NASCAR cup series yeah. championship race. I mean, more than a month ahead of the event, the race is sold out. I mean, it's not like, it's not like, Oh, we may have a seat here and there. Uh, no, there's no seats. There's no, there's no standing room only left. There's no, there's no standing room only sold out. The infield packed, the hillside packed. It's, <laughs> there, there's a, and, and it's all being driven by by the fact that NASCAR is 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 captivating and compelling as ever with the competition that you're seeing on the racetrack. Plus, you're seeing the relevance 
that's taken place with the new fresh blood in the sport with Michael Jordan as a, as, as a co-owner, Pitbull as a co-owner, the new, the new teams that are coming about. You look at the energy that's coming out of the NASCAR Xfinity Series right now with Matt Collig and Collig Racing, and they're getting ready to go in the cup in, 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 into the NASCAR Cup Series. You're seeing other teams that are performing, like GMS, that are, are, are announcing their efforts uh, you know, to, to expand. There's so much great energy right now within our sport, and people want to get involved. And you know what we're doing at the Coliseum next year is going to take that to another level. And, and put even more, uh, you know, not only fans in the seats, but also it's going to, people are going to want to say, how can I participate in the sport as an owner, as a sponsor, as a, as, as a team member? So that, that's, that's, I love being part of that energy. Man, I think, I think NASCAR has just done a heck of a the playoffs. Uh, the way the playoffs are set up, I mean, you know, and I judge it, Matt, just listening to you, I love to hear you talk the passion you have and, and, but man, the passion that the sport is creating, the racing is so good. The, the, the intensity is off the chart. Uh, it, it's just amazing. But man, I, the drama we have uh, in our sport uh, because of the playoffs are so important. Uh, man, I have fans, uh, people that don't even pay attention to our sport, paying attention to it because the competition, the playoffs, there's so much good stuff going on in our sport. The drama, Michael Jordan, Pitbull, uh, the new racetracks. I mean, Ben Kennedy, the NASCAR executive team, yourself, Matt, with everybody else. I mean, I, I just think the health of our sport, it hasn't been this good in a while, you know. And I think, you know, as you called it, Matt, uh, fresh and, uh, you know, a, a new schedule, a fresher schedule, going back to ven going to venues we've never been to before or going back to venues that we haven't seen in a long time. I mean, just in, in you know, the new ownership. I mean, I just think NASCAR as a whole is unbelievable. It's 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 getting where it's almost off the charts, man, the excitement level and and all the great things that are happening. I just think you know, this thing's just growing and growing and uh, there's no telling where it's going to be in two or three years, you know, so exciting stuff. That's for sure. Without a doubt. I mean, and, and David, you've seen, you, you've seen, you've seen the cycles in the sport how, and, uh, and, and things go in cycles. And it's when you see a wave like this building and this and it's, and it's, this is not, it, it's, it's organic and it's a combination of many things, but that, that it creates momentum. And what what it's like if you're a surfer and you just want to ride that wave <laughs> as long as you can. So you know we're, this is this is a time to enjoy the momentum. I mean, look, that's why we you know, we were we're the league of the year. NASCAR's the league of the year. <laughs> you know, who would have thought that you know beat up the National Football League, beat up the NBA, PGA Tour. We're the you know we're the league of the year. Why? Because we we've got all we we really took advantage of all all of these events. And really used it to our used it to our advantage to really create something special. We not only did we you know we we overcome the adversity uh, of the COVID nineteen pandemic and found a way to rally together as an industry to 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 make sure our fans had had something to enjoy weekend. And Matt, and Matt I want to, yeah. and I would just tell you there, I, I, and I didn't mean to interrupt you, but. Sure. I think NASCAR, and, and you know because you're NASCAR, but, man, I think we kind of 
all the other sports and the fans for NASCAR to be the first sport to get cranked back up. We were, we were under a microscope from every major sport in the world watching how, how this was going to work. And I think NASCAR couldn't have done it any better than they did it, you know? And, uh, and then, you know, Major League Baseball, the NFL, everybody started following, you know what I mean? And I think NASCAR just did such a tremendous job. I don't think that hurt a thing, you know what I'm saying? What you're oh, talking and about. I think it, and I think it helped us gain a new audience. We, we actually, we actually uh, were able to gain a share of the audience that weren't really paying attention to us before, before the pandemic. And, and by being, being the first sport back, and even before we returned to racing on the track, what we did with the with the eNASCAR iRacing Pro Invitational powered by Coca-Cola, you look at what happened there. That right there, I mean, there was nothing aside from presidential briefings on television. There was nothing from a live sports and entertainment standpoint going on. There's no happiness being shared on television. But then we get all the NASCAR Cup Series drivers playing iRacing against each other on national TV and people tuned in by the millions to watch it because it was the only thing on that was fun to watch, you know, boom, you know, it's no mystery. We're in the fun business. We're in to entertain and to, and to give folks a, a, a diversion from the, from, from just the grind of life. And we really did a great job of that at that point in time. And, and, but when it was time to get back to work and, and get back on the track, we, we made sure that we were going to get back as soon as possible in a safe and responsible manner. But it was, I think it made a huge difference that the, the fact that everybody within our sport rallied together as one to really keep the core focus in mind. How can we put on an entertaining and fun show for our fans in a safe and responsible manner. And we, we were able to find a lot of folks collaborated together to, to, to make that happen. And uh, uh, we'll look back, we'll look back for a long time and everybody in this industry should be proud of that. Absolutely. We'll look back on this historic time era of NASCAR motorsports and sports. I think professional sports altogether. You're listening to episode 40 here of let's go racing with David Starr presented by Whataburger. We're about to get to our motorsports. News and notes segment presented by John Haverland. Before we do, I'm here to remind you, just a reminder that the folks at Whataburger cook it up 100% pure beef burgers 24 hours a day. You can get your burger fix anytime, day or night at Whataburger. Whataburger, proud to serve it up hot and fresh 24 hours a day. John, quite a lot of NASCAR headlines to talk about this weekend. Let's start with that cup race on Monday. Yeah, so unfortunately, I was not able to watch the cup race live. Obviously, I did watch the replays pretty exciting to see how that ended. Bubba Wallace gets his first win in the NASCAR Cup Series with 2311 Racing. It was a pretty historical race for several reasons. Michael Jordan is now uh, a team uh, a team owner who is a, a winner in the Cup Series. That's a pretty big deal, I would say. Um, McDonald's as a sponsor has been on the hood of a winning race car for the first time since 1994, I believe it was. And of course, Bubba himself winning, being the first black driver to win since Wendell Scott in 1963. Uh, just a wild weekend from all three series. I think that's really what we got to touch on is that each series, the Trucks Xfinity and Cup Series, all upset winners, all first time winners and all really worth uh, discussing. 
Absolutely. And Dave, we'll start with you there. I mean, your your thoughts. Bubba Wallace becomes the 198th different Cup Series winner in NASCAR's Premier Series history and certainly showed the muscle there on Monday. Man, just uh, man, just a historical day, you know, to have Bubba Wallace in victory lane with team owners Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin. I mean, you know, you knew when they announced their deal, you know, everybody was excited. Michael Jordan coming into NASCAR, man, it was it was amazing. It was the coolest thing. Everybody was paying attention to the last uh, eight or nine months, but you know it was just a matter of time. When you got a Michael Jordan, uh, Denny Hamlin, Toyota, all the major sponsors that they have in that organization, and be associated with Gibbs, uh, the Joe Gibbs Racing Organization. It was just a matter of time, but let me tell you what, Bubba Wallace earned that win. They, nobody gave him anything. That race might have been rain-shortened, but when when the accident happened and the rains were coming, I mean, he, he made a charge to the front. He drove his way to the front, and, and man, they, you know, uh, even though that race was rain-shortened, they earned that win, you know what I mean? And, man, it, it's cool. I mean, it's cool for anybody to win any cup race, but man, just the scenario and to have Michael Jordan, Denny Hamlin and Bubba Wallace in victory lane. Uh, and like I said, the, the, the first uh, African-American driver in our, in our history since Wendell Wallace did it in 1963. I mean, that's just good stuff. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't, that's, that's, that's just great story, great storyline, great Cinderella, uh, Cinderella story, but not surprising. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and Matt, I want to get your thoughts on this too. How big of a win was that for for the industry for Bill Wallace to get his first win on Monday? It's it's mind blowing at how big that is for for NASCAR. I mean, that Bubba's. I mean, just Bubba's personality at, in and of itself has he just creates he's just a cool guy and he creates crossover appeal just because of who he is as a as a person and that but the, the the historic nature of being the first black driver since Wendell Scott to 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 win a NASCAR race that opens a lot of doors and you know what let's let's step back to let's step back to 2020 and let's step back to Atlanta Motor Speedway when when we we, we took a pause uh, before the NASCAR Cup Series race, uh, for a moment of listening, and in, in a time of great social unrest in our country, over 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 race relations, and and you know Bubba was 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 a leader in that front. But that moment, we paused and we listened, and and just embraced, you know, just embraced our start diversity, really in a real manner to me in a meaningful, impactful manner. That moment then I, I believe opened up a lot of doors for us at that point in time. So people like Michael Jordan would, would, would wanna come and, and participate in our sport. And, and that led to this great opportunity with, with, with Bubba Wallace and, and, and Michael Jordan, Denny Hamlin coming together with 23XI Racing. And then you see what happened yesterday and it's that that right there. It's that that opens so many doors from a from from a media standpoint, from a 
from, from a sponsorship standpoint. And we all benefit from that because of that crossover appeal that that creates. And Bubba, Bubba's just, he's just, a, he's got a, he's got a tremendous story in of his, his, his journey to this point is, 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 is an inspiring, inspiring story. And to see him finally get that win was, was, was just so cool to watch, but no, I, I think it, it, it was a great moment for our sport that we'll be talking about for a long time to come, but you know what? I don't think it's anywhere near his last win in the NASCAR cup series. I mean, he is, he's, he, he, you know, he is a talented shoe. He's been a talented shoe for years and we've seen it, you know, all the way back in the days when he was, you know, racing, racing up in what is now the, you know, the Arkham Menard series, you know, East and West series, all and, and into the Camping World Truck series and then the Xfinity series. We saw, we, we, we've seen a driver with a ton of talent, ton of raw talent. And he's now, he's now getting himself into a great opportunity. But that, and that, and that team that Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan are building, they're, they're just getting started. This is just the beginning for them. So imagine where this team is going to grow. Kurt Busch coming aboard next year with this team is going to add uh, some veteran leadership uh, and, and, and that guidance and those notes that he can provide uh, with a brand new race car, with the next gen race car being unveiled. That's only going to make Bubba better, having that, having that veteran voice that he can lean on week in and week out. So it's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch his career develop. It's going to be fun to watch, uh, how how Bubba's story is told. Uh, I mean, you saw he to pick, he was on the Today Show this morning. You know, that's <laughs> it, it takes. A, it's not easy to get a NASCAR driver to appear on uh, on the Today Show. Not to get a driver to appear, but to get the Today Show to talk about it. It's not the easiest thing because there's so much news going on in the world. But you know what? Guess what? Bubba Wallace winning <laughs> the NASCAR race at Talladega yesterday. That's national news. That's not just sports news. That's news. Hey, Matt, it was on Nightline last night. I mean, it I was. got home late from Charlotte last night, you know, and, and it was late. And, uh, man, I got home five minutes or I, I turned the TV on and Nightline, Nightline was playing and they, and they talked about it on Nightline last night. And I woke up early this morning to take my kids to, to school. And uh, uh, Good Morning America, man, that was one of the headlines. I mean, it's just – it's – it's just a great story, and, uh, you know, I think it's going to – I just think it, it's just that big tidal wave that all of us are riding, our whole industry. It's a part of it, and I believe that we're going to see more people want to get involved in the sport. And I don't know, as drivers, may might inspire some, some other people, African-Americans, to pay attention to, hey, man, you can be a race car driver too, no matter what nationality or – where you come from or what color your skin is, this is for everybody, you know? And I think that story, Bubba Wallace's story is just, you know, it inspires little kids around the country to get involved in stock car racing and to come maybe one day do what Bubba Wallace is doing. And I just think every, I mean, everything's so good about all of it. It's just, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Yesterday was a beautiful day and it just continues to be beautiful. And it's just, it's awesome, man. I'm, I'm just, I'm honored and, and humbled to be part of a, such a cool industry. And when you have stories like what we saw in history being made yesterday, it's pretty cool. Oh, it's what it's, it's proof positive what happens when you, when you embrace diversity and you bring you just, you, you're, you're welcoming. And when you, when you're welcoming as a sport, 
that it leads to so many more different opportunities and, and, and chances to, to, to tell great stories and to have those stories that, you know, to, 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 to participate in, in, in it, it opens up new conversations. You know, hey, we're, we're nowhere near where we need to be uh, from, 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 a, from a diversity standpoint. But you know what? We, we, are, we, we are becoming more welcoming and it's, it is, it, it's, it's, it's fun to be part of that journey. And I think seeing the success that Bubba Wallace is having on track is going to be a net positive for everybody in our industry. And that's going to be fun to watch. We're going to move on in our uh, news and notes section, but before we touch on the Xfinity and truck races, uh, Matt, I actually wanted to ask you two things. And the first, Mm -hmm. I just was wondering with Bubba Wallace finally getting that first win, we know how the news cycle works. It'll eventually kind of fade away, especially after the Roval weekend, but how important will it be for him to continue winning, you know, seeing him become maybe, maybe that Lewis Hamilton figure or that Tiger Woods figure, in a sport that's predominantly been white men, how important is it that he continues his success for years, decades to come? Well, winning never hurts. Winning never hurts. But I will tell you this. I will tell you this, that long, if Bubba Wallace does nothing else on the racetrack, he will, he will remain, he will remain a vital and vibrant story that will, people will want to tell going forward because of what he has done, what he has had to go through. And to accomplish just what he's, you know, what he's done in a short amount of time in, in our sport, uh, he will still be a re- relevant story, whether he wins, uh, you know, a hundred races or two races or one race, it doesn't matter. He, he's, he's got an inspirational story that will, that will, that has a, you know, for lack of a better term, has legs and it will carry uh, far beyond what happened on October 4th. Uh, 2021. So that's, that's, that's cool. So I, I do think, I do think, yeah, if he wins, if he, if he, if he becomes the next Lewis Hamilton or the next Jimmy Johnson or the next Jeff Gordon, or the next Dale Earnhardt or Richard Petty, if he, if he, if he becomes that level uh, of, of driver with that win total uh, next to his name, oh, incredible story, but he doesn't need it to be a big story. I mean, I think his story is compelling as it is, but uh, I'll tell you what, Bubba Wallace is going to tell you this. He's going to want to be like Jimmy Johnson and, Absolutely. and Dale Earnhardt and rack up those wins and win those championships. He's a competitor. He's a racer. Racers want to race. And you're, you know, you're not racing the, the, the finish 32nd. You're racing to win. That checkered flag, it's what drives us all. We want to do our best. And so that's uh, that competitive fire is gonna is gonna push Bubba Wallace forward. He's not gonna rest on these laurels. I'll tell you that much. And one man, more question. Be... Oh, sorry, David. I just wanted to no, ask. No, go one ahead, John. I'm sorry, <laughs> buddy. Go ahead, man. I just Matt, man, man. I, I just love hearing our conversation, man. It just creates. It's just it's cool, man. Y'all just keep talking. I love it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I just think, Matt. I just want to get your opinion on this. Obviously, Bubba brings in his own fan base. I think he brings in a fan base of a lot of minorities and and maybe black children that maybe want to be racers one day. But I think, is there also maybe a demographic of fans, especially at a place like Talladega where you lose fans or people that have followed for a while is, do you think Bubba's win is driving away? Uh, maybe, I guess the best way to put it is an unwanted demographic of people because it happens quite frequently. You'll go to a track where he gets booed. Um, Jenna Fryer, one of our, uh, one of our media colleagues who works for the AP uh, she tweeted a video this or this weekend of 
uh, like basically a fleet of trucks and cars with Confederate flags waving on the back. Do you think Bubba's win will try to maybe drive away that unwanted uh, demographic of folks? I will tell you this, and you'll see it pinned on my Twitter profile at Matt Humphrey Carr. Hate will not win. That's a good answer. Hate will not win. Absolutely. I, I believe that 110%, no doubt about it. You know, and um, hate will not win. That is that is a, just a beautiful way to answer that question. And you're right on there, man. One of the things I thought NASCAR I thought was cool, uh, you know, when I, you know, when I, uh, when I was a kid growing up wanting to be a race car driver, man, I've read every book I could read about NASCAR. And I read a lot about Wendell, Wendell Wallace. And, and, and when I finally made it as a NASCAR driver 24 years ago, when I went to Martinsville for the first time, uh, which was a big deal for me personally, but man, I went over to Danville, Virginia, because I've read so much about this family and I befriended their family. I stopped in and introduced myself and, and it was amazing. They, they cooked me dinner and I met the sons and the wife. It was um, amazing. But I think one of the coolest things that I ever witnessed was four or five weeks ago. I believe it was Daytona, Charlotte. I don't remember where it was. Daytona, I know what you're saying. They presented the winning trophy to, to Wendell Wallace's family that they did not give him back in 1963. And Bubba Wallace was a part of that ceremony. And I thought, man, that was one of the coolest things that I've ever seen our sport do, man. And I was proud. I was proud. And I thought that was just a neat thing, man. Can you can you share a little bit of your thoughts on that, Matt? Well, I, I say, you know, when Wendell Scott won his race at Jacksonville, Florida back in 1963, he was deprived of that moment, of that, of that winning moment. And, you know, it was not declared the winner until later. And you want to talk about, you know, a, a travesty of justice, not just the fact he was deprived of that moment, but never got the trophy, never <laughs> been to see the trophy and to possess the trophy. And that's been talked about for so long. And it's been such an important, it's been such an important uh, part and, and story in the family that to finally see that come, to see that, that loose end tied and had the family in possession of that trophy was, was such a, it's, it was such a great moment for our sport. Uh, I too have had a, a, an opportunity to meet Wendell Scott's family, particularly when, when we're racing in Martinsville, you always encounter them at, uh, at, at the paperclip and, 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 and hearing the stories and just hearing kind of the cool stories too, from, from his contemporaries, like a Ned Jarrett, a Richard Petty, you know, guys that, that competed at the same time. Some of the stuff, you know, the, the stories that they tell, about you know uh, of competing with uh, Wendell and then also you know the hardships he had to go through and it, it makes you and it's why this this man is in the NASCAR Hall of Fame you know that you know you, you want to talk about competing through adversity I mean this man showed up at the racetrack week in and week out in places where you know people made no secret that they didn't, they were not welcoming him with opening arms and it, yet he showed up and he competed. What, what an inspiration. And, 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 and so, I mean, just that's that spirit of that spirit of a racer that he had 
to do that. And it's inspiring. I, I kind of get choked up thinking about it because it's, it is, you know, I can, I can never, I have never been in that man's shoes to where I've had to face that type of personal hatred on a week in a week out basis. And, and to be able to accomplish that in the face of so much hate was, I mean, was, was incredible. Just the, the mere fact of showing up was a win in of itself. So, uh, I mean, I, it was, it was a great moment for our sport. So cool to see that trophy presented before the Coke zero sugar 400 at Daytona. And I know, you know, Bubba Wallace being, you know, uh, tied into that ceremony. So it's, it's kind of cool to see, uh, all of this occurring in the same year, but you know, this, this is just the beginning folks. This is just the beginning. The, that we're, 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 we're still moving forward. We're still, they're still, their drivers are going to be coming up within the next few years that, that you're going to see They're they're going to be inspired by Bubba Wallace or have been inspired by Bubba Wallace's story who have then like you have read about Wendell Scott and have, have been inspired by his story. So it's going to be so fun to see. And, and the fact that we are, we are inclusive and welcoming and, you know, that's that's it's only going to make the product we see on track that much better. That was Absolutely. well said. And uh, let's uh, let's talk about our Xfinity and truck winners. We've talked a lot about Bubba, and rightfully so. There's been plenty of different storylines to uh, follow along with him. But Brandon Brown and Tate Fogelman, winners in the Xfinity and Truck Series. Now, David, I know you've raced in both of those series. I don't know if you have any type of relationship with either of those drivers, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on seeing two first-time winners like that? Man, it's – it's um, that's what I love about the sport, man. I love Talladega. I love Daytona. You take a – take Fogerman. Uh, I don't even know if I'm saying his name right, but you're talking about that young man. I don't even know his background, his story, but that team is not a team that you – that we have seen in victory lane. I don't even know if that truck number, that team has even ever won a race – I know they won a race a couple of years ago with Spencer Boyd in one of their trucks there at Talladega, but man, he earned that win. Nobody gave that to him. And just the way it played out was just a, just a great story. It was an unbelievable. Then you, you back that up with the Xfinity wave with Brandon, uh, Brandon Brown, uh, great competitor. Uh, you know, they, they've been running strong for years. And it was only a matter of time. They got a really great racing team. They're very passionate. And, uh, you know, they've been working hard to put some uh, good race cars together and a lot of horsepower. And, uh, you know, uh, even though, uh, I mean, and, and man, he was running in the top 10, top five, most of the race. And, uh, man, he earned that win. All three of the drivers this weekend, uh, you know, I, I've heard a little bit of rumblings yesterday yesterday evening that I didn't like to hear. Uh, and, and somebody asked me my opinion. I said, man, all three of those drivers, they were leading the race when the race ended. I mean, if you watch the whole racing weekend, nobody gave any one of those three drivers anything. I mean, it was impressive. Uh, they drove the wheels off those race cars. They put themselves in a position to win and they won. And, uh, I just think, man, Brandon Brown and the Fogerman kid, uh, man, these are just great stories that we're going to hear about. Uh, you know, I think we're going to hear about it from a long time. And I, uh, 
and it's it's good for the sport, man. It's good to see first time winners, and uh, man, it's uh, you know just lets people know, hey, man, the opportunities are out there. You don't have to be one of those powerhouse teams that we see week in and week out in Victory Lane. It can happen to anybody if you uh, if you want it bad enough. And uh, man, it was just a for me, man, it was just a great weekend of uh, first-timers, and uh, every one of them earned it. So it was pretty cool to see, to witness it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great storylines. We'll look forward to seeing what happens at the Roval this weekend. Time for our next segment and our second-to-last segment. Ask David before we get there, just a quick reminder that Whataburger is serving up breakfast. Stop by Whataburger for a hot and hearty breakfast any morning, late or at night. They're serving up breakfast from 11 p.m. to 11 a.m. Whataburger. So on this segment, around this part of the show, you email in your questions. You can interact with us on social media, facebook.com slash star podcast. Same Twitter at star podcast. You could also email in the show davidstarpodcast at gmail.com. This first question comes in for both Dave and Matt. So this question comes in from Jim. And Jim wants to know, what was the first NASCAR race weekend you attended as a fan? We'll start with Matt. First NASCAR race weekend I attended as a fan. Well, that's, that's kind of a backwards question. I'll tell you why. Because I grew up I grew up within uh, within shouting distance of Canton Motor Speedway in Canton, Ohio. It was not a NASCAR-sanctioned track, but it was, a, it was a little short track. And every Friday and Saturday night, they would race them. I would fall asleep to the sound of the engines. And they'd go to, it seemed like, 2 o'clock in the morning. I was never allowed to go. My folks said, it was too rough. <laughs> You're not going there. You can't go there. No, that's, that's, that's not the place for you. But that sparked my curiosity. But I never, I never went to a NASCAR race as a fan until uh, I took my kids to the, the uh, what is now the Coke Zero Sugar 400 at Daytona International Speedway. I was working at the Orlando Sentinel, and it was the year that Kyle Busch and Jamie McMurray had that, that epic side-by-side finish there under the lights. And I was so, it was such a, it was, it was such a fun race. And I remember, remember my son being up against the, the gun, against the catch fence every, every time the, the cars would pass by and he'd be pumping his fists in the air and shouting at the cars. And of course, you know, the sound of the engines were drowning out his noise. So that was, that was, that was a, a fun memory. We still talk about that day uh, uh, as a family, but uh, that would be my first NASCAR race as a fan. Now my first NASCAR race overall was at the Milwaukee mile uh, to watch Jimmy Johnson race uh, covering him uh, it was with Herzog Motorsports back in uh, 2000. So that was my first NASCAR race overall. That's awesome. How about you, David? What was the first race you attended as a fan? Well, I, I want to respond to Matt because yeah. man, what a cool story. I mean, you know, and I, I uh, man, isn't it ironic to, to live that close to a racetrack where you hear it, the air, the wind's blowing and it carries the sound of those awesome mm-hmm. engines. And man, your, your, your mom and dad don't let you go to the races because they don't want you because it's not, it's too loud. It's bad for your hearing. And, yeah. and you fast forward to an adult and next thing you know, you're working for NASCAR. I mean, it's just, man, does it come full circle or what? Well, it, it, really, <laughs> it, it really does. It really does. And so like it, it, that sparked my curiosity for racing. So like anytime I'd see racing on TV, I would watch it. In fact, my first exposure to NASCAR was watching Cale Yarbrough as a guest star on the Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> and, and, and I, I don't know if you if you remember that show, but Kale Yarbrough was a guest. He was a he was a guest star. They had an episode with Kale, 
And that was kind of my, my first recollection of, of NASCAR. And then, you know, but like anytime racing was on, on TV, I would watch it and, and I would just be transfixed by, by the, the whole, the whole spectacle of, of, of racing. So it was like, yeah. And so I had to, I had to, I had to grow up in order to make my own decisions and go to the racetrack for myself and really check it out and just fall in love with the sport in person, uh, from a, from a journalism standpoint. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of cool how something like that can spark a flame. Absolutely. So man, I do, I, I do remember, uh, I, I watched that show many times when I was younger enough. So I definitely remember it. I don't know about you young guys, but, uh, <laughs> Man, you know, it's it's hard to answer that question, you know, because I grew up, my dad was working in that, in, in racing when I was born and worked for a guy named Ronnie Chumley and Tony Bittenhausen Jr. Man, ever since I was three, I can remember as a little boy, man, that's that's what I fell in love with. And as a, at Meyer Speedway, a half mile asphalt racetrack in Houston, Texas, uh, my dad worked for Gordon Van Lue that owned Vita Fresh Orange Juice. They had Indy cars that Bobby... Uncher raced at the Indianapolis 500 and Ronnie Chumley and Tony Bittenhausen Jr. raced the stock cars and went to Nashville, went to Daytona and just traveled the southeastern part of the country. But man, I, uh, but man, the first, so, you know, that was a NASCAR sanctioned race back in the late sixties, early seventies. And man, AJ Foyt had a driver named Larry Shout, God, Freddie Fryer, Neil Bonnet, man, I remember it like it was yesterday, you know, and, uh, and ever since I was, four, three, five years old, man, I, I, I still pinch myself today, even though I've been doing this for 24 years, I love it, man. And, and I loved it then and knew what I wanted to be when I was a little boy and blessed that it all worked out. But my first NASCAR race, I guess, where I saw Richard Petty, David Pearson, Buddy Baker, Bobby Allison, those types of superstars of, uh, of the time, was at Texas World Speedway. I think it might have been 1971, 1972. And my dad took me to uh, the Texas World Speedway and Bryan College Station, two miles super speedway, uh, the sister track to Michigan. And man, when I walked up that hill and I walked up that hill with my mom and my brother and my dad was already there, had been there for two or three days. Um, and man, I overlooked the railing where all the uh stands were and as you saw those you know they called it uh nascar grand national back then they were all lined up gridded on pit road man that that was life-changing moments man i mean but uh man there's man those first nascar races when i was a little boy and and uh seeing my first nascar cup race grand national whatever they called it back then I mean, it, it changed my life forever, man. I knew what I wanted to do as a five, six, four-year-old kid, you know. It just uh, it had such a big impact, influence on who I became, and it was just unbelievable, man. And I've loved it, been passionate about it ever since, you know. And, and I was – I still thank my dad and get emotional about it at times. Just thank – I thank him for – being involved in such an awesome industry, such a great sport, and it shaped me to be the person I am. And I have what I have and my wife and my kids and all the cool things that come with it. And, you know, John and, and, and Dominic and having this podcast and everything I do today 
is is because of the industry we work in and, and being part of NASCAR. And I, I'm so blessed, man, and I love it. And I, I love to hear John and Dominic and hear you speak, man, because, I mean, you guys are just as passionate as I I am. And, man, what a what a great industry, man. Life, life, life's beautiful, man. I love it. It is a fun industry, Dave. And I think you said yeah. it best. This is probably about eight or nine episodes back. But you said that the day will come where you hang up the, the fire suit and the helmet and the steering wheel for the final time. But all these relationships you made, you could go to any part of the country because of all the people you've met in racing and, and the people building and the relationship building. I, I think that couldn't be further from the truth. This industry just connects people. It really is truly a family. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah. So we have one more question from the mailbox. And this is for all three of you guys. This question comes in from Ellen. And Ellen writes in, what is, the, what is your favorite part of your job in NASCAR? We'll start with Matt. It's easily the people. I mean, working and meeting the people is, 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 is fantastic. And you just don't know where you're going to strike up a conversation about NASCAR. So here's a case in point. I'm on vacation with my wife in December. We decided to go to Costa Rica. And we checked into, the, we checked into a, a resort that was pretty remote down there because of COVID. We didn't want to really want to be around a lot of people. And, and, and so we, 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 we found a safe place to go. We're checking into the hotel and this, this Costa Rican man who is, who is the concierge there asked me what I did for a living. I told him, I work for NASCAR. He goes, really? Do you know Bobby Hillen? <laughs> and it's like, well, I tell you what, I don't know Bobby personally, but I know his story. I know, I know he, he, he was like the youngest winner at Talladega when he won back in the day. He had one NASCAR Cup Series win at Talladega Super Speedway. And, you know, but yeah, absolutely. He's had, he had quite, quite, quite a racing career. He goes, he's a good friend of mine. And shut the front door. He was like, We're, I'm here in Costa Rica in the middle of nowhere. You know, I've gotten there. Literally, there are monkeys dangling out of the trees. There, there are parrots flying around the air. And we're talking NASCAR. That's awesome, man. And, 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 and then his Bobby, Bobby is, uh, he works in the oil industry. Yeah. And his business partner actually had a house right next to this resort and would come over to the resort to work out. And so he introduced me to his friend and we went up and, and, and my wife and I uh, met this lovely couple and we ended up FaceTiming with Bobby Hillen from wow. telling stories about days gone by in NASCAR and people that we've all known. And, 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 and that was just such a beautiful moment. And, and, and the fact of the matter is you just, you know, it's those relationships that you build and, and it's that common bond you share as, as somebody who loves racing. You, you just don't know where you're going to encounter a NASCAR fan. And that was, that's just a, a really cool moment. When, and again, proof positive that the people are what make this business. Absolutely. And for you, Dave, piggybacking off that, what's your favorite part of your job? Man, I got you. All of it. I mean, it, it, I know that's, you know, people, what's your favorite part, you know, and, and I, I can just honestly tell you, I love it. Everything, everything about what we do. Uh, and I will tell you that um, hearing Matt speak, it's, it's the best part about our sport is the people 
and reason being because there will become there there'll become there's a day when every uh, every one of us will have to hang up what we love to do me the driving part you know and I can't I, I don't even think about that day but once that day gets here the relationships the crew chiefs the team owners the crew members the NASCAR officials the fans uh you know, everybody that you you have known and met, those relationships will last a lifetime. When this is over with as a driver part for me, I, there's no state in the country. I can pretty much go to every state in the country and stay at somebody's house, have dinner with somebody through, through our great industry of NASCAR racing. The people side of it is everything. You know, I love every aspect of it. I like the competition, man. I love to compete. Uh, I love the race car. I just, there's everything's great about every bit of it. But if I had to pinpoint one thing that really stands out, it's the people, the fans, without the fans, without the sponsors, without the people involved, you don't have a sport, you know what I mean? But all the relationships that you've built over your career will be with you until, you know, until the end. Uh, and uh, that's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. John, for you, what's your favorite part about getting to cover NASCAR? Yeah, um, I would definitely say the people aspect is pretty big. Um, I think of my circle of friends and I grew up in New York, so I have my, my friends from high school in New York and I went to college in Arizona. So I have my friends in the Phoenix area. But then I think about I have racing friends, too. And the great thing about them, they're all over the place. There's there's some in the Pacific Northwest. There's some in Southern California. There's some up in New England. There's some down in Florida and everywhere in between. Uh, you know, I, I think of yourself or, or any, of a, any of our other friends that we go to races with. Um, that's, that's definitely a great thing. Um, you know, traveling around the country, going to different tracks. I've been to, I think, probably about 20 tracks or so, if not more, for, for NASCAR specifically. Um, yeah, I never really ever thought I would have been to all the places I have covering races over the years. And I think probably my favorite thing out of anything about racing is I know this is going to happen in a few weeks when the Cup Series finale is going to be happening at Phoenix Raceway. One of my favorite things to do with the entire race weekend is before the uh, drivers get inside their cars, everyone's standing on pit road and you have the drivers doing photos, maybe with some of their sponsors or family. But I just love it when they do the national anthem and you got the whole place nice and quiet. Everyone's listening to the singer. You got a flyover going overhead. You just feel the anticipation build up. Uh, that's just my favorite part about any race weekend. Absolutely. I tell that to everybody. They're like, what's it like going to an NASCAR race weekend? And I'm like, okay, have you ever been to a high school football game? And everybody's there in the national anthem and, and the colors are out there and the flags. I said, ramp it up times 10. That's what it's like being at a race. You have the flyover, you have the pre-race prayer. There's just something about that, that unity that comes with the NASCAR pre-race ceremony. And, and to, I think echo what all three of you saying, copycat, it's the people and getting to, to cover races and, and go with colleagues, right. And people that you interact with and, and meeting fans and like fans that recognize what you're doing and, and being able to talk NASCAR with people. I think like, like how you said, Matt, being able to have that conversation out in Costa Rica, I mean, New Mexico is kind of the same way. There's not a lot of NASCAR fans out here. So anytime I go at Walmart or at the store and you see somebody wearing NASCAR apparel, I make it a point to go strike up a conversation with them. Cause that's very <laughs> far and few between here. As John knows, 
one of the cool one of the cool perks about working on the track side is that you occasionally get to drive a branded vehicle around <laughs> around the area. So like you know, you'll occasionally spot me driving around the Phoenix Raceway pace car around the valley. And you know, I have to stop and, and fuel it up. And when I'm at the gas station, people will come over and say, When's the race in town? Or and then, what is that? And and it's in it and it, it who it, are you? you. <laughs> it's like a calling card. It's like people are inviting you to tell them about NASCAR. Yeah. And so, like I had, it's funny. It's like two weeks ago. I'm driving a I'm driving a a branded Chevrolet Camaro, and it's got you know it's got all the all the cool NASCAR championship weekend branding on it. And and the and the attendant and the inside the gas station comes running out just all. A gog over this car. Like, how cool is this? I said, Do you want your picture with it? Can I? <laughs> on down, give me your phone, take the picture. Guess what? I bet she's sharing that on social media for her friends. And it's just it, it's just another entry point to, to introduce people into our sport. So but again, that's again this striking up those conversations with 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 friends and with strangers about something we all love. That's yeah, I, I can vouch for Matt on that. Me and Matt got dinner a couple of months ago up in Scottsdale. And, uh, you know, I'm driving my little Ford Fusion into the parking lot and I see him in his Phoenix Raceway car. And I'm like, oh, way to show up in style, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the perks of the industry, right? The perks of the job. That's awesome, man. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. Well, guys, before we get on out of here, Matt, let's start with you. Where can the folks follow along and get some behind the scenes photos or maybe some video? Where can people follow along here on social media or on the interwebs? Oh, at Matt Humphrey Carr on, on, on Twitter and Instagram is where I'm the most active. Uh, and then you'll see me post, I, I post everything, uh, mostly random photos of things I like. I like to take photos uh, of nature and of, and of racing. And so you'll see me post there all the time. But I also encourage folks to go to at NASCAR to follow everything uh, that's going on week in and week out. And then, you know, of course we have, we have our, our, our racetracks that, that I'm associated with. So, you know, at Phoenix raceway at Kansas speedway at auto club SPD WY, if you can figure that out, that means auto club speedway. Uh, so, uh, yeah, certainly, certainly, uh, follow those, those social media handles as well, but now you'll, uh, that's how you can follow Absolutely. And John, we appreciate you on the panel this evening coming in on the show. We know you've been a fan since day one. Where do we follow you along at? Yeah, for sure. I've definitely been a fan since day one. I've listened to pretty much all your episodes, I'd say. Um, I, I also just want to say, I guess this is probably a bit of a bit of a plug here, but every time you guys do that Whataburger commercial, it's just like, <laughs> I think about it because uh, I live I live right here in Tempe. There's a Whataburger maybe <laughs> like 800, 900 feet away from where I live. Awesome, man. Awesome. I might have to get some Whataburger, but uh, yeah, you can follow me at, uh, at John Haverland on Twitter. Um, If you want to follow my work, I I post all my article links on there. Um, You know, if you want to find me on Facebook, go ahead. I don't mind. I'll, I'll add whoever. And uh, as per my writing, um, I'll share all my links on uh, nmmotorsportsreport.com. You can follow us on Twitter as well. Uh, it would be NMM report. And uh, I also have a writer who's kind of working his way up the, the NASCAR media ladder. Matt, you might know him. His name is Cole Cusimano and he does some writing for me. Um, you can follow him on Twitter. Uh, and we do uh, the circuit journal, which is a, 
website that I created last year during the early stages of the pandemic. So it's thecircuitjournal.com or at circuitjournal, all one word. And that's where we post our columns and weekly content. Perfect, John. And I must say, too, you're very lucky. You're only 800 feet away. I'm, I'm 75 miles from the closest Whataburger, but I look forward to having some layers. <laughs> yeah, you know, I haven't had a Whataburger in like probably at least a month or so. I think I'm due for a visit this weekend. What do you think? Hey, I, I think that sounds like a winning call. Like a green chili way. double and a shake, right? Oh, absolutely. John, don't make me hungry. I mean, you're making me hungry. <laughs> so, so, Gabe, we'll start here on this final roundup. So, what do the next few days look like for you? Man, just, uh, you know, I, I'm. Uh, uh, got a meeting late tomorrow afternoon at the Texas Motor Speedway. I'll be working at my shop tomorrow at our, our racing school race shop there across the street from Texas Motor Speedway and and uh, just uh, working on my little boy's uh, little sprint car. He uh, was going to race this weekend and just getting ready for the race weekend this weekend. So just, uh, you know, a busy week. You, got, you always try to cram in everything in a short period of time during the week before you're back on the road. But, man, I uh, – I just want to thank John for joining us uh, this week on our podcast and man, Matt, uh, just hearing your story and how passionate you are and just, you know, hearing where you started and, and uh, man, just, just love, love hearing you talk and the passion you have for, for NASCAR and our industry. Uh, I guess our sports very fortunate to have all you guys be a part of it. And uh, you know, there's so much more to talk about that we didn't even get to. I, I was so interested in, you know, Jimmy Johnson, such a great friend of mine and such a freaking awesome champion and just one of the all time ever best that we got to witness that all of us witnessed win so many races and so many championships. And and man, you and, you know, in that book that you'll write one day, Matt, you'll uh, you know, I'll be reading it because, man, to spend time with with Jimmy Johnson before he even made it to Hendrick's organization with Jeff Gordon, you know, being with him and covering him and, and befriending each other uh, from the early days of his NASCAR career when he was driving for Herzogs. I remember it like it was yesterday because I used to do a lot of stuff uh, when I was driving for Civil A in the truck series and me and Jimmy would do some things together. Uh, he's never changed. He's a true champion, uh, a great man, uh, uh, he's just everything. When you think of a champion, I think of Jimmy Johnson. He's everything a champion uh, should be and will be. And uh, but man, I, I didn't. We didn't even get a chance to cover those cool stories with with y'all's relationships. But uh, I probably annoyed the living daylights out of him. Uh, that's and that's okay. You um, did your job. <laughs> it means you're a good PR person. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what that but means, man, Matt. We're going to have to have you back on so we can tell some more stories. Oh, absolutely. You know, and then there's some great, great stories, great learning back in those days, too. I mean, talking with his crew chief at that time was Tony Rambo Liberati, if you hey. remember Rambo. And uh -huh. uh, and he was a he was a great story in and of, in of itself, a survivor of the, of the uh, former Marine and the Beirut bomb blast uh, that, that took place there. But, yeah, just an incredible, incredible story. And, yeah, there's some. There's some, there's some, there's some tales to tell from, from that, from those days, but what's really cool. And David, you put it best with Jimmy, what you see is what you get. Absolutely. He, he has that same, he has that same, you know, down to earth personality, 
now that he had back then. And I think back then, I, I wrote, I wrote about this. I described him as kind of as like Wally Cleaver and a fire. <laughs> Wally Cleaver reference probably falls short of anybody under the age of 40. So you didn't watch leave with the beer, but he was just that kind of that. He just kind of had that, that, that kind of that, that air about him, but he was, he was, he was just genuinely a nice human being. Super nice. And still, and still remains a nice human being. You see all the good he does on and off the racetrack. I mean, you just wish guys like that nothing but success, and it's good oh. to see them enjoy all the success that he's had over the years, and here's and to, to many more years of success. Absolutely. So, Dominic, I, oh, go I ahead. Gotta, I got to mention something to Matt. Uh, Rambo works for our team, MBM Motorsports. He's been working for Carl Long for I want to say maybe three or four years. And uh, we're, we've been great friends for a long, known him for a, lo- a long time. And, you know, he, uh, he could be a chapter in your book, just him alone, but man, what a, what a interesting guy, great guy and a great friend. But one of the things I want to share with you, just hearing you talk about him, uh, uh, the Herzog, I didn't know those owners. I was around then and I seen them, but I believe the dad, I don't remember his name, passed away within the last two months. And I want to say six, seven weeks ago. And Rambo said, uh, I talked to Rambo at the shop not too long ago. And he said, man, David, I flew, flew with Jimmy Johnson and we went to the funeral. Mm-hmm. And he was just telling me about everything. And he said, hey, man, you know, he's telling me about the family and, and their, their relationship. But he said, man, Jimmy Johnson, he's still the same guy, crew chief, 20-something years ago. He's the same guy, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, and and hearing Rambo tell me that story of them flying up and going to the funeral and coming back and listening to you speak, because you were a part of that. You, yeah. y'all, y'all were a team 20-whatever years ago. And, man, you're, you're spot on. You're spot on. You talk about it. Rambo just talked about it. And it's interesting to hear you speak about it now. You know? Rambo Rambo would call me. Rambo would call me if I would get something wrong in the newspaper. So if I wrote something, I'd have a weekly, I'd have a weekly NASCAR column in, in the newspaper. Right. And, and that was the early days of the Internet. So I, it would post up and he would read it and get posted on JSKI. And if there, if I had something that was inaccurate on it, Rambo would call me up and he would chew me out and then would tell me just, he would tell me like it is, you know, that's the kind of the guy that Rambo is. He's, you know, he's the next Marine. He's going to tell you like it is. Right. And so, but I learned a lot from that. And he took the time, he took the time to, to teach me and walk a young journalist through and say, Hey, look, this is what you got this wrong here. This is why this happened. This is why that happened. I, that to me was, 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 was invaluable. And we shared some cool, we, we shared some, some cool moments. In fact, we, after going to that race at the Milwaukee mile, Rambo, myself and the Herzogs then flew to Colorado Springs. And we watched the Herzog, Herzog motorsports team compete in the Pikes Peak hill climb. And Rambo and I actually stood and watched that race from the side of the road there at Pikes Peak and where Herzog won it with Larry Ragland as the driver. And wow. it was, that was like, I mean, one of the coolest, one of the coolest motorsports memories I'll ever have. Uh, and, but please tell, please tell him, I said, I've, I've, I've been wondering what's happened to him over the years. I knew he's still working in the industry someplace, but yeah, please, please give him my best 
and uh, I'd love to reconnect with them at some point in time. No, no, Pat, no, no, no. I will definitely do that, Matt. And John, Matt, man, what an honor it's been to have you guys. Thank y'all. It's been really cool. Our our fans are gonna they're gonna love uh, uh, hearing your stories and and learning more about this great industry and learning more about you. So thank thank both of you guys. Yeah, thank you for having me, David. I, I had a fun time tonight, and hope you guys are willing to have me on again at some point. Absolutely, Absolutely. we need both of you guys back on at some point, Matt. There's so many. You know, they say you're a great storyteller. If like you've left somebody on a cliffhanger, you've left all of us on a cliffhanger. We're gonna need some more stories <laughs> and some more gaps filled. So we'll definitely be getting you back. And same with you, John. And as we close out the show, we just want to remind you all you can follow along the action. We post shows every week. We're on facebook.com slash David Star Podcast on Twitter at Star Podcast. Be looking for some giveaways that are gonna be coming out here pretty soon with some David Star autograph memorabilia, as well as you can always listen to the show every week, fresh episodes on Apple the Google Play Store, Spotify, and all your major podcast platforms, as well as the video version on YouTube at youtube.com slash Let's Go Racing with David Starr. For John Haverland, for Matt Humphrey, David Starr, I'm Dominic Ardogan. We will see you next week. We put the check flag out on this one. Thank you for listening.